I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. We are back. It is July. The first July Athletic Hockey Show coming your way on a Monday. It's Ian Mendes and Julian McKenzie in that sweet little spot between Canada Day and the 4th of July. I I mean, Julian, if we had to call this, maybe, do we, should we like start calling July 2nd and or July 3rd like Brett Hall Day? Like, Why Brett like, Hall Day? Well, something that, that that's like a dual citizen, like somebody who, uh, uh, yeah, kind of represents Canada and the U.S. Is is it Brett Hall? Is that the guy? That makes sense. I think with regards to uh, our show, Brett Hall makes a ton of sense as an American Canadian. Now we have to think of we have to put together a roster of the best dual national uh, NHL USA, players, like P- USA and Canada. Yeah, that's actually. If the if the USA boys uh, didn't have tomorrow, uh, July fourth off, that would be like a fun like challenge uh, we should do for Custance with Custance and uh, Gentilly. That sounds like a really fun idea. Actually, how many guys even have dual citizens? Like like Brett Hall, obviously born in Canada, ended up representing the United States. There's been a handful of those guys. You know, there's a random guy that I remember, Adam Deadmarsh, who used to oh, play yeah. for, the, for the Avalanche and the LA Kings. He was one of those. I got to pick who I uh, who I represent. Oh, uh, man. Now I think about this, too. We're at a point now where we're seeing kids uh, of, of former NHL players who were born Canadian, and then you see them, like, play in the States and stuff, and then they just take up, like, U.S., like, citizenship there, which isn't sort of the same thing, but, like, is sort of in that same vein, which yeah. I guess kind of changes that. Uh, that pool of players, especially for the States. But like, I'm trying to think of other Adam Deadmarsh. I forgot. I mean, I remember him as a 
name and a player, but I guess I didn't think too much about the fact that they were like, you know, they had that opportunity to play for for both teams. I'm literally pulling up a list of players right now who have dual uh like <laughs> who would work on on both sides. Apparently Marcus Felino apparently counts. Uh was he not United born States in Buffalo? Canada. I thought I thought uh, Marcus Felino was born in Buffalo. Maybe not. He he was born in Buffalo or at the very least uh you know what? At least uh, on Wikipedia, which you could oh, take you that never for go it's wrong. worth. That it is it's it's credible. Oh yeah. It's super credible, um, but they have him listed as having represented Canada. You're right. He was born in Buffalo, but for Team Canada, he he was on Team Canada at the World Juniors in 2011 that won a silver medal. Weird, because his brother Nick has played for Team USA, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if we've uh, ever had that. Maybe the Felinos are like the classic, it's Felino Day. Yeah. Something in between it. the first, something that brings our two countries together. Because I feel Absolutely. like Brett Hall doesn't really bring people together, but maybe the no. Felinos do. Yeah, and like they're a more recognizable name. You've seen them across decades. Even like the current generation of hockey fans are familiar with the, a Felino brother, whether it's Marcus or Nick. Like, and I think it's, I, I have a pretty good feeling it'll continue for generations to come. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I'm all for uh, Felino Day. Being today, uh, Logan Brown apparently sort of counts. Logan uh, Brown, born in the states, uh, played in Canada. Um, who else counts as well? There's another name that I thought was fairly. Man, where's this name? Stefan Matteau apparently counts. Stefan Matteau. Now we just we're gonna lose the uh, the Devils fans if we keep. Dropping yeah, we're gonna, we're, that's true. That's true. That's actually true. There, we could um, probably put together a roster of dual nationals. I don't know if we could do it USA Canada, but like, close enough. Close enough. So here we are in between the Fourth of July, Canada Day, and this is a really busy weekend, or has been a busy weekend in the hockey world. Let's jump on something, Julian, that just kind of broke as we started recording here midday on Monday. That is the Detroit Red Wings have wow. put Philip Zadina. On waivers, Elliot Friedman of uh, Hockey Night in Canada, the first to report this. Zadina, just to, for the benefit of our listeners, if you, if you don't remember, you're not familiar with him, a top 10 pick, sixth overall in the 2018 drafts. You're not going back that far. Five years, Zadina was supposed to be one of those cornerstone guys as Detroit started their rebuild. Uh, he was going to be a key piece. Remember, when Zadina was taken sixth, there was a comment he made to the, I think it was to the free press in Detroit, where he basically said he was going to make everybody who passed on him regret it by like oh, filling man. the net. Remember he made a fill, I'm going to fill the net. That. And and the two teams that passed on Zadina in particular that, that people thought would, would rue the day were the Ottawa Senators who took Brady Kachuk. And certainly there's no... Uh, <laughs> There's no debate now in Ottawa, but Ottawa fans were steaming no. mad. They wanted Zadina over Kachuk. And Montreal, who took Jesperi Kotkaniemi ahead of Zadina. Now, you could argue that Kotkaniemi didn't quite pan out and certainly went to, uh, you know, went, uh, went to Carolina, all that stuff. But Zadina is available. Now, the way this works is you go with the reverse order, right? It's, it's the, uh, uh, the lottery system. So the teams with the worst record. Yeah. Get the first crack. So Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago. Those three teams, Julian, have the first crack at Phil Zadina. So 
He's under contract. You looked this up, right? He's under contract. Do you think Philip Sedina gets past those three teams? I would like to see him in one of those markets. I think for his sake as a player, like he could probably benefit from going to a team that isn't going to give him a lot of pressure. He could just kind of, you know, make mistakes if he can. Arizona fits that bill for me. Just thinking of some of the guys who have ended up there, like a Yusuf Alamaki or Connor Mackey, who, you know, they're they're in a market where they're they're not looking to go anywhere. I know they got Alex Kerfoot the other day, but this is not a team that's expected to do any damage. Seeing him go to a team like that uh, would make a lot of sense without looking at Cap Friendly in front of me directly. Um, um I, I reckon that they're probably they've probably got enough cap space to to fit in Phillips Adina uh, under two million uh, AAV between this season and next season. Uh, no, I, I think for, for Phillips Adina, I'd be very surprised if he ended up going to some contending team. I think some of those lower teams on the on the echelon would probably – I'd be surprised if he bypassed some of those teams as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I'd Boy. be very surprised. Yeah. So uh, Detroit obviously sending a strong message by putting him on waivers. Uh, like I said, wow. this was a guy that was supposed to be uh, – <laughs> he was supposed to be – a key part of the rebuild, right? Like like Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider. He was supposed to be part of that core. Boy, that's a that's Can a surprising one too. Can I add something too? You mentioned yeah. that quote that he brought up about he's going to make all these teams regret passing on. Did, he said that, right? I, I I vaguely remember him saying that. And if it's not what he said, then we can always correct. But I just want to make this point. I think draft picks have to stop saying this now. It's not cute anymore. It's not cool anymore. You know, like you're just putting more pressure on yourself by saying, hey, man, I'm going to make all these teams regret doing how many how many athletes in the history of the draft have made a comment like that work for themselves? You know, you know, the one that comes to mind, I'm going to switch sports here. Randy Moss. Randy Moss, when the Vikings took him late and the Dallas Cowboys passed on him, Randy Moss was like, I am going to make them pay every time we play. And the first time Randy Moss played Dallas was on Thanksgiving in his rookie year. I think he had three catches. That was that game? I think it was three catches for like a buck 80 and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. That was that game? Three catches. Oh man! Three touchdowns, them. 180 yards. Yeah, and that was right after the draft. Oh my god! So, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you're you're making a bold statement. But here's my bigger question on Zadina: Is it not eye-opening to you that Phil Zadina, like Detroit, couldn't trade him, like for a pick, for a yeah, pro- but like for somebody else's prospect that's not working out, like no. The thing is, is that like if you hear other insiders talk, like it seems as if a lot of other pieces were were being dangled around at the draft in the hopes of being traded. And it seemed like not a lot of people wanted to play ball, whether it was because they didn't see the fit in terms of maybe dealing a prospect for a prospect or they're dealing with cap space issues. Like we're coming off a time where the, the draft went the way that it did and there weren't like an insane amount of trades. We're seeing guys yeah. sign on like short, cheap deals here. Like I, I, I think people would just rather do that as opposed to trying to move around some some furniture to to make it work. And it doesn't surprise me that Philip Zadina did not uh get moved uh via trade. It wouldn't surprise me if Steve Arsman tried to move him at the draft. Uh, but like I, I wonder if teams were just like, you know what, I want the draft picks. Uh we need the haul, we need to build through the draft, or 
they're just like, you know what? It's not worth it to move this player out and 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 all these pieces. I wonder what the asking price might have been for Philip Zadina, who has yet to make a significant impact in the NHL. Yeah. And by the way, here's the exact quote. Our producer, Danielle, has found it. The quote that uh, Phil Zadina gave to the uh, Detroit Free Press uh, right after the draft, quote, I was telling my agent, if they pass on me, I'm going to fill their nets with pucks. That's the quote. There's no point. There's no point in saying that, bro. But I, okay, I, but I here's think if they could find. I think if I'm an agent and my prospect says that, my 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 client says that, I'm going to them and I'm smacking them across the head. What's the point? There's no the, point. Okay, but then I don't ever want to hear you say, "Boy, I wish hockey players had more personality." Oh, don't do that. Come on. Don't do that. You're allowed to show more personality hey. and uh. not put a target on yourself by saying, I'm going to make all these teams regret passing all me. You know, do you think? I'm not saying don't show personality. I would have loved it if Connor Bedard gave pick number one overall was like, okay, man, I'm going to be the man in, 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 sorry, Chicago. I'm just saying it's getting to a point where saying, you know, I'm going to make these teams regret passing on me. It's starting to hurt guys a little bit more than actually helping. The the one name I was going to think of, uh, I don't know if he directly said anything to this, but he does remember every single player who was drafted before him, Draymond Green uh, of the uh, Golden State yeah. Warriors. Oh, man. But he, he, you know, Draymond Green did a pretty good job of, you know. Yeah, he of, did. Of, yeah. yeah, of being a key piece of that Golden State uh, Absolutely. And he was the second round pick too. Like I, I can understand why he had that chip on his shoulder. Phillips Zadina is a top 10 pick. Like you got to find a way to make that work. I mean, I'd yeah. love to know what happened in Detroit. I don't know if it's just a fit thing. I don't know if something else is going on beyond the scenes. I would love to know why it just didn't work because this was a player who was supposed to light up the net, who was supposed to be a key contributor for the Detroit Red Wings. But you're right. Like, I mean, you look at some of the guys picked above him. You look at the guys picked after him. Look at, you know what? We did even mention Ian, we didn't. Do you remember who was picked directly after Philip Sedina in that draft? Uh, so I remember, obviously, that, uh, you know, in that draft, Brady Kachuk went ahead of him. Rasmus Dahlin went ahead of him. Svechnikov, yes. Kotkaniemi. Yes. I am blank. I am totally blanking on who went seventh. Oh, boy. Should I give you a hint or yeah. should I? Give me a hint. Uh, um, Still playing, obviously. Uh, American player, uh, still with the team they were drafted by, has uh, at least, I think, two brothers playing in the NHL right now. I think the second one is going to start playing, but there's one other one that is definitely um, playing in the NHL. The Hughes brothers. This is uh, Vancouver. Uh, Quinn. Quinn Hughes. Quinn Quinn Hughes Hughes was the seventh overall pick. Because I know that. Next pick. Where did, didn't Arizona, where did Barrett Hayton go in that draft? Was he, he was, he was in there, wasn't he? He was the guy before Philip Zadina. He's picked gotcha, one spot gotcha, before. Gotcha. Oh my Oof. gosh. Like, wow. That that just shows you what a wild roll of the dice the NHL draft could be. Because obviously now if you had your choice amongst, uh, you know, Hayton, Zadina, Hughes, you know, whatever. It's not even close. Like, oh, absolutely. Like Quentin Hughes picking- is a borderline uh, Norris Trophy candidate now. Uh, moving forward. There's an argument if you redraft that draft, Quinn Hughes is a top three player. Yeah, I think if you redraft, I think Rasmus Dahlin still goes one. I could understand that. I think so. And then there's a great debate amongst Kachuk, Svechnikov, and Quinn Hughes. Absolutely. you, You could talk me into anything 
Put them in any order you want. Uh, people, some might be more partial to Kachuk. That's fine. Hughes, that's fine. Whatever. But uh, you're right. Like, I, I think there's an argument that, that Hughes is uh, as good as anybody outside of Rasmus Dahlin. And you passed on him. Oof. Wow. Google Docs, Slack, Canva, Teams. You're right across multiple platforms and places during your workday. So delivering consistent, high-quality communication everywhere is key. Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high-quality writing for better projects, proposals, presentations, and more. Best of all, Grammarly works where you work, so you can get more done no matter what tools you use. Grammarly helps me personally when I'm writing a description for a podcast or when I'm filling out a rundown for a show. It helps me avoid making grammatical errors, spelling mistakes, and just generally makes things easier in my day. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Tone suggestions even help you navigate the most difficult work conversations. By the way, Grammarly is the gold standard of responsible AI. With 15 years of best-in-class communication, trusted by tens of millions of professionals and IT departments. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's the news of the day, I think, as we record this on so Monday. Far. So far, it, it, things can change. Uh, weekend was interesting. We saw a bunch of moves. Now, there are some big names who haven't signed yet. Are you su- are you surprised on any of the, like, uh, you know, uh, Vlad Tarasenko hasn't signed. Uh, Matt Dumba hasn't signed. Like, these are guys that had some pretty big cap numbers. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, I kind of put them in a separate bucket based on their age and health stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what the deal is on those guys. But, like, if you're Vlad Tarasenko, are you getting a little nervous that we're now like 48 hours into free agency and you don't have a sweet, sweet offer, uh, you know, to jump at? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And and for for a guy like Vlad Tarasenko, who I still think could be a good productive winger if he's put in the right spots, uh, not just I'll, I'll pull off the stats just to make sure I, I get it right. But like, I don't think he's necessarily been so lights out that teams really want to jump at the bit for him. And considering guys are signing one-year contracts on the cheap, Vladimir Tarasenko is probably going to have to accept something maybe around the figure like what Matt Duchesne got. Maybe they're still trying to hold out for something a little bit more. But considering the spending habits of some of these teams, I I don't see Vladimir Tarasenko signing for more than like a year Maybe three. I'd be surprised we got four million at this point. So I'm not completely surprised, but that's only after we saw guys like Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi sign one year contracts in Toronto. Dmitry Orlov is also on a short term deal as well. Like we're we're we we're not see uh, Alex Kalorn is like the most notable guy to sign a long term deal. Well, like that's nuts. Yeah. Well, 
I'll I'll say this. Like I think people were surprised. Like Kalorn got paid, right? Yes, like he, he got did. paid. And and good for him. I'm always a big believer in guys, you have a finite window, go out there, go get paid, secure the bag, all that stuff. I'm I'm a big fan of that. Uh it is interesting, like, but Brad True living in Toronto got absolutely eviscerated on day one of free agency, right? He gets Reeves and the, you know, they're adding sandpaper. And then though, on day two, he adds some skill, right? He adds Bertuzzi, he adds Domi. Uh, as you as you go around the league, how many fan bases are actually happy with what their general manager has done in the last four or five days? That that includes the draft into free agency. Like, are there, like, how many teams right now, the fans are like, yes, I believe what this guy is doing is right, and I'm happy? That's a good question. If you're including the draft in all of this. Everything, yeah. Let's include everybody um, in this and 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 the draft because it's it's been less than a week. How many I teams mean, are actually, uh, fan, fan bases are like, yes, I'm happy. I'm happy with what we've done. Columbus has to be near the top of that list. I, not to say that they've been super productive in terms of getting all these free agents to come. When you have Adam Fantilli follow you at three, that's that's enough to power you for the rest of the summer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Nashville, I'm intrigued about whether they're closer to being happy than than sad, I guess, in this instance, because it seems like they want to compete and they seem to have made some moves, getting guys like Ryan O'Reilly to join the fold and Luke Shen. They intend on being competitive. Um, I completely There was one team I had a really good answer. I think Toronto, I think fans have maybe turned around on that a little bit, but maybe... Some maybe I think that might be a bit more split because maybe they're still kind of recovering from the post Kyle Dupas era where it seemed as if you were trying to get guys with a little bit more of an analytical focus. And it seems as if Brad Living is trying to get guys who are a little bit on the opposite of that. I mean, Max Domi has been, I don't know his analytics specifically, but he is a good player. And I don't think his his analytics have been that bad. But I think just like him. Tyler Bertuzzi, Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves is obviously going to be the poster child for like, oh, they want to be big and slow and fighting and all that. Like, hmm, I don't know. Carolina. I think I think fans of Carolina should like what's going on there too, getting uh, their goalies back and then getting Dimitri Orlov re-signed as well. That, I mean, no one's really talking about it because it's really early. I think Carolina looks like – I mean, they've, they've looked like the team to beat for the last few years. This might be the year – this coming season, this might be the year – they make the Eastern Conference final and they make the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, there's a lot of fan bases, though, that I think are pretty, they're like, hey, how come you're not doing anything? Like, I, like, I know in Buffalo, they're like, hey, we, we, maybe we need a goalie. In Ottawa, they're like, we need some, some help. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting, it's an interesting week uh, because this is the one chance I think you have as a, as a general manager to really reshape your roster, right? Like yeah, you have you should have some cap flexibility. You should have the ability to do some things. And yet, I felt like the draft week was pretty quiet on the trade front. Uh, nobody did anything splashy or crazy. And even in like you said, in free agency, we haven't seen those massive. Now, now part of it is this was a pretty weak class, right? This wasn't an unbelievable class of like people were going to deserve seven seven year contracts, uh, kind of coming out of free agency, but. Uh, you know, I think the longest term, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jonas Corposalo in Ottawa got a five-year yep. deal. I think that's the longest term, is it not? Like, nobody else got more than five years, did they? Well, then Alex Kalorn gets – I thought Alex Kalorn got six years, actually. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Kalorn did get six. And and a huge uh, huge deal with Anaheim for 
Uh, for no, we got right, four sorry. actually. Sorry, my bad. I, it I'm was just, four. I, I it was four years for for Alex Kalorn because it's the first year of four. Yeah. What's sorry, the cap? Just, wait, what's the cap hit? Six point two five. Yeah. Sorry, that's what you know. That's, what? that's where what the we, six comes in. The yeah, six that's is what, in the that's cap where we got mixed hit up. and not in the years. Excuse yeah. me. You know what? I actually thought as soon as you said that again, I was like, oh yeah, Kalorn signed six years, four point two, but it was four years at six point two. Yeah, it's very gotcha, easy to gotcha. get those numbers mixed up. Yep. Sorry about that, people. Um, but like. When you heard that Ottawa locked down former Columbus and LA goalie Jonas Corpusella for five years, what was your initial reaction? I thought it was a decent move. I don't think Corpusella is a bad goalie. Uh, we all know the Senators are trying to be that team to make the playoffs perennially, and they feel they are at a point where they can ha- they could have a team that should be able to compete in the playoffs. It's just that Atlantic division is still pretty stacked with the Leafs. Uh, the Bruins are still a good team. The Lightning, as far as I'm concerned, are still a team to look out for. And now they'll have more rest, so we'll see what happens there. The Sabres are also trying to get in. The Senators need a goalie to power them through. Uh, they're seeing Philip Gustafson do well in Minnesota. They've tried all these other options. Uh, Matt Sogard could be the goalie of the future, but maybe he's not ready yet. They need a guy who can at least work as that stopgap yeah. to kind of give him some help. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, for the Ottawa Senators, I don't mind that move at all. I, I mean – I, I don't think the cap hit is that extravagant, if I remember correctly, but it's I, I don't hate the move necessarily for the Ottawa Senators. I think they did okay there. You, you know, the one name in Ottawa that everyone, I think, around the league is looking at is Alex Debrinkit. And this is, Julian, This is, I think Debrinkit is the most interesting player in the summer of 2023. I, I, maybe it's, maybe it's Connor Hellebuck. But I think there's an argument to be made for Debrinket. And and the reason is uh, the clock is starting to tick here. And and you know what's interesting? I'm seeing some people kind of take shots at Alex Debrinket now in Ottawa. People saying, this guy doesn't want to be here. Get rid of him. What a joke. Here's my take on Debrinket. Uh, he didn't ask to be traded to Ottawa. Okay? So he got traded here. He's got a chance to be an unrestricted free agent next year. He hasn't asked for a trade out of town. He's just saying, I'm not sure I'm willing to sign up for eight years right now. So I don't understand why he's being painted as the villain. People are saying he should expand his list of teams of where he wants to go so Ottawa can maximize their return. Well, I don't know how you come down on this, Julian, but Alex Mm -hmm. DeBrinkett's priority shouldn't be, gee, I hope I can get a max return for Ottawa. His only concern should be, how can I put myself in the best possible spot to get paid next summer? That's it. That's all he has to do. I, the rest of it is out of his control. And I, I'm a little disappointed to see people running him when all he's done is come here and been a complete pro. Uh, he had a bit of a down year, but even in a down year, he had more goals and points than Pierre-Luc Dubois. So, uh, I don't know. I think he's a pretty darn good player. And if he has to come back and play next year, fine. Let him come back and play. But I don't understand why he's being, like, villainized. Maybe it's because of the fact that he's an American player who wants to seek greater pastures outside of a Canadian market. And maybe Canadian fans are sensitive to the fact that inevitably after, you know, whatever, however long these players play – they want to go home and they don't want to spend time in a Canadian market. 
maybe outside of Toronto or even in Montreal, but like feels like we're both in markets where, you know, Ottawa, Calgary, great cities to hang out in sometimes. And I mean, maybe more Calgary than Ottawa. Let's, 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 let's kind of yeah. put a spade to spade. There. <laughs> but like, I think a lot of those guys, they ultimately want to go home. They ultimately don't want to be in a situation where they're dealing with whatever issues come with taxes in Canada. They just want to go home. And I think it's something just on a grander scale scale of things. Maybe it's something that fans are a little bit more sensitive. Of. I, I think uh, if you put it well with Debrinket, he has seemed like a like a consummate pro playing out that year in 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 Ottawa, and he should be playing for himself. He should be looking out for himself in terms of any potential contract terms of where he wants to go at the end of the day it's a business and if he's in a position where he can hold some power in all of this why not exercise that power why just serve uh this this team that you don't necessarily want to commit long term to when you could benefit yourself and your family yeah no it's uh it, like i said that's an interesting one to watch connor hellebuck will be uh i talked about this on the thursday pod last week i said if new jersey ends up with connor hellebuck Julian, for me, they become the favorite in the East. But both McIndoe and Granger were a little less. They were like, nah, there's still some really good teams. To me, if the Devils got Hellebuck, he's the guy and they're the team. But I just don't know what the market is even for Connor Hellebuck, you know? Like, like how many teams could take him in yeah. at that salary and knowing that he could walk at the end of the year – be a UFA, like, boy, it's uh it's an interesting, it's an interesting one because I just don't know how big the market is for him. Also, why commit over six million to a goalie when there are other guys who can make a little less? And we've just seen a team uh win the Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill before he re-upped for a contract that even still is gonna give him a, a smaller AAV at 4.9 million for at least yeah. the next two seasons. Why, if you're a team uh, I mean, as, as as great of a goalie Connor Hellebuck is, and he's one of he's one of the like you put him in that echelon with like Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin as like the three three of the best goalies in the league. Uh, we can argue all day about if there's anyone else that needs to be added as well, or if I'm missing anybody. But at the same time, if you have a good enough team, like the Carolina Hurricanes, for example, where you can put out a tandem of Antti Ranta and Frederick Anderson and go deep into the playoffs and not necessarily have to shell out tons of millions of dollars for one goalie, why do it? I, I feel like this year could go a very long way in terms of how goaltenders are are commodified and 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 anonymized by teams. Uh just off the fact that like, you know, you don't necessarily need the goalie to get you through. You need a goalie to get you through. And I'm very intrigued about what that means for Connor Hellebuck next season when he becomes an unrestricted free agent uh, entering his age 31 year. Like, that's going to be very interesting. I was really interested to see, just before free agency opened up, Matt Duchesne got bought out by uh, Nashville. Nashville. Right? They kind of cut him loose. And I think he automatically jumped to the top of the heap uh, in terms of, uh, wow, guys, guys are available. Who's going to get more value out of a guy whose contract was was – suddenly terminated, bought out. Uh, like, do you think Dallas is going to get more out of Matthew Shane one year, three million? Or how about the Florida Panthers going in on Oliver Ekman Larson on a one-year deal at 2.25? Because I would say that both guys are going to be highly motivated. And I mean, I, 
I like both those deals. They're, they're smart gamble deal. Nobody went multi-year. You didn't go north of, you know, 2.25 for Ekman Larson, three for Duchesne. Like, who's going to like their, their, their signing more uh, out of those two? I still feel the Duchesne signing might be a little bit better. I still think he's a good player, just maybe not the rate that Nashville was paying him. He could still put up, uh, especially if on, on a team uh, where he doesn't have to be the focal point. You can count on him as a really good secondary scorer. OEL, uh, just over the last few years, a lot of mileage on him. At least in Florida, at the very least, they don't have to run him as their first pairing defenseman. I just feel like there might be a little bit more wear and tear on him compared to what Matt Duchesne's gone through. And I think just with with Duchesne in, in the new market that he's in, he could probably put up a little bit more production-wise compared to, to OEL. But you're right, both deals are more or less low risk and not a lot of commitment attached to both of those guys. There's a lot of commitment handed out by the Islanders and, and Lou Lamorello. And it was like all of a sudden, all of a sudden on on Saturday, it was like we we would like to announce that we have signed the following guys: uh, Pierre Engvall, seven years; Scott Mayfield, seven years; Ilya Sorokin, eight years. Uh, that was a lot of term to hand out, right? Like, oh, absolutely. I, I'm okay with Sorokin. Like, I I like I think he's a top. Certainly a top five goalie, possibly a top two goalie, top three goalie, but certainly in the conversation as a top five goalie. So eight years at an 8.25 million cap hit, I'm okay with it. Mayfield at seven years, that's interesting. 3.5. Engvall for seven years. That's a long, that, anyway, I just felt like that was a lot of term to hand out, no? To, to, to I, those other two guys. It is, but I wonder if it's uh, a situation where they just say, hey, you know what? Uh, we'll give you the term in exchange for keeping your AAV down. Because Scott Mayfield, if memory serves, seven years, $3.5 million. 3.5 per. And then Pierre Engvall is at $3 million. Like, I think that's a situation where maybe those guys might not have made too much more uh, for so many other teams. But if you're able to get that security, if you're able to get that long-term commitment that's a way for teams to kind of keep that AAV down, especially if the cap's going to go up in a couple of years or as early as next year. Those are going to look like bargain deals uh, by the end of that contract. Contracts, I should say. Yeah, and we were wondering too, uh, speaking of guys kind of, you don't often see this uh, as well, but like Tristan Jari got to free agency, had a chance to kind of dip his toe into the water, and yet, Ends up staying in Pittsburgh five years at 5.375. Now, Jar, and we were kind of wondering, I wonder what Cal Dubas is going to put his stamp on the Penguins as general manager, and he opts to keep Tristan Jari. And I I don't know what to make of Jari because I, I think he's legitimately, when he's healthy and playing well, like I think he's a good regular season goalie who can play you 45. 50 games. His playoff track record, though, it's it's just too iffy for me to go five years. But I get it. Uh, but they committed to him in a really big way, don't you think? Like, they've defeated yeah, him they at, at five years at 5.375. You're not saying, okay, like, you're like our number one A or like a tandem. That's them saying you're our number one guy for five years, right? I mean, even then, like the cap hit is still like 
I mean, five three seven five. I mean, that's not six million, but like that is not just a small chunk of change. Yeah, uh, this is a team that has has committed itself to doing everything they can to win a cup with uh, Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, and Evgeny Malkin. And you're right. When Tristan Jari is, is healthy and is able to play for them, he is a solid option for them. And maybe the uh, the pan the, sorry the Penguins looked at the market and they thought, well, you know what? It's not worth it for us to shell out money at an Aiden Hill. Well, I mean that was already done. Um, it, Branta and, and Anderson very quickly going on the market, then going back. I, I wonder about the options that were there uh, if they were willing to trade for for a goalie. I, I forget if it was. Which podcast I might have been talking about it on this, but like John Gibson, was that someone who might have been worth it for other teams to look at? The Penguins obviously don't feel that way. So I think they were kind of in a situation where they're like, you know what? This is as best as we can get. It's interesting. Like, like you're right. The Penguins are trying to say to themselves, we have to try and win at the tail end of of, of the big three's career. And now yeah. you keep seeing and hearing the Eric Carlson stuff. And I'm and I'm like, How are like, they linked to how are they linked to Eric Carlson? I, I think it's because if you're going to say we're in a win now mode, that would be a guy that you would say, well, well wouldn't we want to get him? And and couldn't we convince him to come here and play for us in in a win now window, right? Like it, like part of me thinks that would be appealing, right? But they just don't. But like, they're also over the cap. They don't have the cap space today. And they're trying to move, and they're trying to move on from Jeff Petrie, who is thirty-five. But Petrie's got two more years at like six million, right? Yeah, over six million. I mean, maybe maybe San Jose has to take on that deal, or maybe Pittsburgh has to retain salary on that. But like, I don't know, like how you do it without offloading some other salaries as a result of that. No, no, you have to. And I think we've been so obsessed with a Carlson deal in which. You know, San Jose's got to eat some salary. Uh, I don't think we've looked at it from the perspective of like what you said, which is maybe San Jose's option instead of eating Carlson and not getting anything for it is they eat a little bit of a Petrie or a Carter or a Grandland or, you know, whoever you want to put in that mix of, of a guy. Maybe that's the way you do it. But if you're, if you're Carlson, and you've stated that your goal is you want to play meaningful hockey, you want to win a cup. And they came to you and said, we can send you to Pittsburgh. What would you say? Because they just missed the playoffs and their three best players are north of 35. Yeah, would but you their say, three yeah, best I- players are Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, and Evgeny Malkin. And they're all 35 they plus, no- right? Like they're Sid all will be 36 yeah. this summer? So yeah, I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's perfect. But if you're going to be on a team where you're led by old guys who are hopefully trying to lead you to a cup, you maybe you know take it if it's those guys, and you hope that at least they play up to a high level. But that does come with some risk involved, and you have to hope that the players that they're putting alongside them can help bring up that speed, can help bring up uh, you know just opportunities for them to to play really well. And it's not as if they didn't do anything. And guys like Lars Eller, too. I mean, they're also a little bit older. But this Penguins team is obviously trying to go for that cop. I think if you're at Carlson, that opportunity comes to you. I think you strongly consider it. I mean, the fact that you play with a guy like Sidney Crosby, even at age 36 or whatever, he's still – he up till this point, he's still been playing like a high-quality player. 
And I don't think anyone expects the drop-off to be that significant, but it's entirely possible that something happens. But I, I think you definitely look at that. I'm intrigued if Seattle ends up doing this. Like, that's a team that's been thrown out there for for Eric Carlson. And I, I feel like if they acquire if they acquire Carlson, that speeds up whatever they were trying to do in terms of building their team. He might not feel they're quite ready to compete for a cup compared to what Pittsburgh's at least trying to do, but that would be very interesting. Oh, man. Seattle is an interesting team because I think they played so well last season under Dave Haxtell, and they kind of won with, I'll call it average goaltending, uh, from Phil Grubauer and, and Martin Jones that you're like, oh, you know, maybe they don't need a goalie. Like, but that's another team that I, I sometimes I wonder about them and like Connor. Like, if you were them, would you, would you be more interested in Carlson or Connor Hellebuck if you're Seattle? Because I know yeah, they have Grubauer. The problem tough. is they have Grubauer signed for like, like it's like four more years. Like they're they're almost locked into Grubauer, uh, for for better or for worse. But I think he's got like four more years at almost six million per. So maybe it's a moot point anyway. But man, like I, I look at them and I think. I almost think if they just got a little better goaltending, like they they have such a deep, balanced scoring group up front with McCann and 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 Wenberg and I, I love the Tolvanen pickup and whatever. Like part of me thinks that they'd be a good fit, just for a really good goalie. But man, you make a good case that Carlson could be good. He'd be good in Seattle. Like he's still playing at a high enough level. He's not going to get the season that he got this past year that won him a Norris Trophy, but. Like if he's still at his age, he's still at his point where he's still able to contribute well offensively for a team. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're able to afford that salary and you have to offload some pieces, I, I assume you 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 think about it. I still think with Seattle, though, ultimately, you're kind of going about your your build and maybe you're not ready for an Eric Carlson yet. But I am intrigued about the idea that they might they might be interested in him. Like, I'm sure, though. Eric Carlson gets moved this summer, right? If you're San Jose, I know people have made the argument the time to move him was the deadline. It didn't happen. But now that he's kind of come out and said, I've watched other teams. I just I just want to win. You're coming off a Norris Trophy, 100 points. His value will never be higher. This is the time to trade him. And, and even if you lose the deal a little bit and you don't get the return that you want, I don't see how you're going to get a better return a year from... Like, is he going to replicate 100 points? It'd be hard. I don't no. know. I think no, this is the time to move No, he's not going to replicate him. 100 points. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand why this is the time to move. He's not going to replicate 100 points. Absolutely not. But the fact that he's still playing at a high level and 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 establishing himself, like the fact he's able to get Norris at this point in his career, like that that's putting him on that track to potentially be a Hall of Famer down the line. But that's another discussion for another day. That's still a player who could be an impact player for your team, especially if you're competing for a cup. Um, but yeah, Seattle really in that weird spot. And all that to say, if to go to the actual debate, go, it, I, I'm the guy that's been saying that you need a goalie, not the goalie. So that probably leads me more towards taking Eric Carlson. But obviously, Connor Hellebuck would be a clear upgrade on Philip Grubauer and Martin Jones in Seattle. There's no question about that. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Well, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is going to be a fun week because there's still some decent pieces left on the board. Like I said, the Brinkett, Hellebuck, Carlson, uh, you know, all those names that didn't move at the draft. They're probably going to get moved in the weeks ahead. As I mentioned, Tarasenko on the free agent market. Uh, again, I, I don't know what Kane and Taves with their age and their bodies, if they even if they even come back, if they even play. But but there, there's going to be some interesting uh, deals, I think, that, that are struck in, in, in the next few days. And I just, I don't know. Like, when's the time? What's the date that all of, like, Pierre Lebrun and Dreger and Friedman and Chris Johnston and all of the big insiders. What's the day that they all check out? Is it today? I've, it's under my impression that Pierre is already at his cabin. So then, then maybe nothing else happens for like three weeks, four weeks, right? I don't know about that. I I think like I I would give it until like like this time next week. I I think that might be the last possible day before like everyone kind of shuts it down. But also depending on what certain teams have out there in terms of assets, they can make a deal at any point. Like the, the Kachuk Huberto trade happened like late July last year. So you yep. have the flames this year They're They're trying to figure out what guys they could resign and what guys they might have to move. You know, if, 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 if a team loses out on the Eric Carlson sweepstakes, do they follow suit on the Noah Hannafin sweepstakes or do the flames just let those guys play out those contracts? Like who knows? So I, I have a hard time thinking that like, you know, <laughs> even if even if we we do kind of slow it down after maybe July 10th, that nothing is going to happen after that. At the same time, it, it is my understanding, at least off of Twitter, uh, that Pierre LeBron has already retreated to his cabin, uh, having recorded the Chris Johnston show with Chris Johnston. I can confirm uh, that he <laughs> is very much ready to go to whatever cabin he so chooses because he is tired. And I imagine that uh, Darren Dreger... And Elliot Friedman. Uh, actually, I should mention last week for the very first time I met Elliot Friedman. Nice. What? Dude. You've never you've never crossed paths with him. Never crossed paths really? with him. Uh, never even not even like sent him like a DM or nothing. Like he's last week was the first time I ever, in that in Nashville is the first time I ever met Elliot Friedman. I've known him for about probably twenty years. Like one thing I'll say about Elliot as. Big as he's becoming this, I remember I first met him when he worked for the score. Yeah. Uh, which was a kind of a startup 
uh, television network in Canada in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Julian, this guy's ego has not changed. Like, he's the same guy. He's the same person he was 20 years ago. And I, I've i watched him explode. Like, his career has just taken off with an upward trajectory that I don't think anybody could have predicted 20 years ago that he would be this big and this good. But he's the same guy. He really is. Like, I, I can't stress that. If you, he's the type of guy that if you ran into Elliot Friedman at an arena or, you know, train station, airport, he would give you the time uh, as a list, like, as a hockey fan. He would. He'd be so happy that you stopped Super him to say hi. Guy. He's that type of person. Not everybody in this industry is like that. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, but not everybody's Ooh. like that. Ooh. And he's, Ooh. he's, he's, he's a real does. one. He's he a real one. Ian Bendis, when you say I'm not good, name names. Ooh. Oh, I know. We don't that's gossip after, to tell on this show. That's after we Ooh. stop recording. I'm like, the following people are jerks. No. So jerk. next but, so next yeah. week, next week, when I pull up to Ottawa and I'm invited to the Mendez family dinner, that's, you when, are the, invited that's when the teas get expelled. Yeah. Next week you're rolling in. I'm having you for a barbecue. You tell me what works. I'm having Julian over for a barbecue. And I'm getting uh, my blue tin of cookies too. Yes, done and done. The Danish the cookies are coming your way. Uh, Absolutely. In person. Absolutely. You'll, you'll know my sked very soon. There we go. Okay, Ra I want to wrap up the pot. I want to throw one more signing at you because I think you're yes. actually going to have a very good uh, read on this for Avalanche fans. Yes. Uh, and that's Jonathan Drouin. The, the Montreal Canadiens had him on a very big contract. He came in with a lot of expectations. He was a highly paid guy. They traded Surgachev to get him. Didn't work out for a variety of reasons. He goes to Colorado and he signs. It's basically league minimum, right? It's like 825 grand. Uh, you watched him in Montreal. You know the player a little bit, Julian. Is Does this have the potential to be an unbelievable value signing for the Avalanche? There's a chance of that. I just want to say, I don't know how we go about rooting for players to succeed or just wanting to do well. I'll come out and say it. I hope he does well in Colorado. I think Jonathan Drouin, uh, when you consider maybe some of the mental health stuff that he's had to deal with in Montreal, just being in that market. I don't know if you remember, but when Tampa Bay traded him to Montreal for Mikhail Sergachev, like Montreal thought of him as like, like this is like their guy. Like people were trying to think, okay, he's like the center of the future. Like he was this super talented player in in Tampa, third overall pick in his draft class. Like this is the guy. This was the dude that Canadians fans were going to see be super talented for years to come. And it just didn't work. It just he never took it center. He played on the wing. It showed gl like glimpses of brilliance at times, but not a sufficient amount. For him to, you know, be worth the trade. Like as far as I'm concerned, I mean, a lot of people, I don't think people are gonna fight over this. The Canadians lost that trade. Uh, but I think for him to go to Colorado and play with his fellow Moosehead teammate in in, yeah. in Nathan McKinnon, I think that's a really cool opportunity for honestly, when it came time for him to be a free agent, I was like, all right, Nathan McKinnon's calling him up. That's his dog. Like, come with me to Colorado. We're going on a run for the cup. Play like middle six minutes, show off your skill, just hang out. You're not in a high pressure situation. That's what brought him success in Tampa Bay. 
He has yep. a younger player, but he played in those middle sixes with talented players. And if he's in a situation where he's able to do that and the pressure is completely off him, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to score like 30, 40, 50 goals, but there is a potential for him to be like a 15, 20 goal player if he just just focuses and just plays through that year and, and is insulated by some of the talent that they have in, in, in Colorado. I still think that Jonathan Drouet can be a good player and he's still a skilled guy and man, just look at his years in junior. Like he could be a really good player. He just needs that opportunity where he's just not in the spotlight. I find Uh, he could still come up with some assists. I know he's gotten about 20 to 29 points over the last three years. I don't know if he's a 53 point guy anymore, but he is also 28 years old. There is room for him to get back to being a 40, 50 point guy if he is able to, you know, just kind of just just focus and kind of find that point where he can get on that trajectory. He still potentially has his best years ahead of him. I like the signing personally. It's low risk. You know, you know what I would love to see out of this? And I, like I said, like you said earlier, you touched, you said it so well, like it, you're cheering for athletes. Um, I'd love to see him end up next season as a Masterton Trophy nominee. That would be That'd a be successful cool. season for me. For, that for would be Jonathan very Jewell. successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. With again, with with the mental health issues he had to deal with uh, in Montreal. Like, I, I I think that would be a really cool comeback story. And for him to do it with one of his boys from junior where they saw a ton of success together. That'd be really fun to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So we're stopping this recording midday on Thursday. Reminder, the uh, midday on Monday, not Thursday. What did I just say? Did you say Thursday? Did I? I don't know. I don't know. I've I lost all did. Tr- I did. Maybe I did. You know what? Monday. We're stopping this recording midday on Monday, and we want to let our listeners know because uh, Tuesday is the 4th of July and a holiday in the United States, the Tuesday boys with five, I guess we have to say because we're Canadian, we five Zs at the end yes. of it, not Zs, five Zs. not Zs. Uh, the Tuesday boys, uh, Gentilian Custards, no show, so you're going to have to wait till Wednesday with Russo, Pizzo, and uh, Granger, they'll have anything that happens between now and then, they'll be able to break down. Maybe hey, Phil Zadina may have a new home by then, right? So uh, you and I are getting together next week, not only for the Monday pod, Julian, but in person, we're getting together. You're coming to Ottawa. Yes, sir. I can't wait, man. I can't yeah. wait. Uh, gonna kick it with you. Hey, we gotta get the whole Ottawa contingent of the athletic there. So that's that's Sean McAdoo. Uh, shout out to to SJ Mayer. Uh, yeah. Is it Mayor or Mar? Actually, oh my God, I should know this. That's uh, one of my good friends. Uh, Mayor, I, I, I think. I, I, at least boy, it's one of my good friends know. at this company, man. SJ. I can't, I can't, I can't disrespect SJZ like that. That's one of our one of our one of our editors, uh, SJ, uh, aka SJZ. I can't disrespect her, man. Uh, yeah, we all we all got to kick it. We all got to kick it. I'll, I'll let do you it. know my schedule when I'm in Ottawa, and uh, we're all gonna hang out. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun, just like this pod. Uh, Monday pod was a lot of fun. want to thank our listeners uh, for uh, taking in this Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Brett Hull. Oh, no, sorry. Not the Brett Hull edition. The Felino family. The Felino family bringing everyone edition. together. The Felino family edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We certainly appreciate that. You can follow us on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Right now, a one-year subscription to The Athletic is available to you, the podcast listener, for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Corsi. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.